Welcome back, John. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Always good to be here. Yeah. So, uh, new episode here. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about what is this thing called love and just some other just general stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but um, we do want to say, um, please hit the like button and subscribe. Yeah, somewhere down over there. Yeah. There's the like button and a bell and the an announcement. And click everything. Yeah, click everything because it, it really does help the channel. So if you do enjoy and get value, help us out a little bit. Um, oh, yeah. And um, you've got cables. Yeah. Custom yeah. cables. I do custom cables, custom wiring. Mm -hmm. It's kind of my specialty. I do repairs and setups and all the, the usual stuff. But yeah. Yeah, I love the the different and the unusual. And nice. I, I like to solder things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great because uh, I, I'm, you know, usually banging my head up against the wall when I try to solder something. Yeah. Well, I, I generally say most people should not own a soldering because <laughs> right. it doesn't end well. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. If you have something like that, yeah, hit, hit us up on here. You yep. know, we're in the Baltimore area, but I have people ship stuff to me. That's right. That's right. So happy to you know help you all with whatever you need. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, a couple things on this tune. Uh, we were talking about a little, a little bit on this on the lessons and talks in the member area, um, which if you're interested in that, check the description down below. Um, but the the two fives are, are kind of an interesting area in this one. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because it is mostly two fives. Yeah. We get two fives, with some, some with uh, minor seven flat five. Mm -hmm. Right, and then others that have maybe the dominance have flat nine in them, um, where you might also use altered scale or something crazy yeah. like that yeah. on some of them. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one of the things that, um, you know, it's fun, I think, about improvising in general is, um, is not saying, well, you have to use this scale on this thing or this chord scale or whatever, you know, it's, yeah. It could be different next chorus, or it could be, you know, you could change mid measure, you know? Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, I've been known to do that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> keep it interesting. Keep it, keep us on our toes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's so much opportunity for movement here because mm. um, it isn't just plain boring two fives. Yeah. It throws so much color mm -hmm. and there, you have so much harmonic motion. Yeah. Um, you could really play the whole tune just thinking about extensions. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, and that's a really cool way to play. You know, maybe triads or, or yeah. just like, yeah, yeah. You know, upper, ex, upper, what are they called? Uh, upper extensions. Upper extensions, yeah. yeah, yeah. You just, yeah, let the, you know, let whoever's comping behind you yeah. handle the lower the triads, lower part, sort of yeah. the, the standard bits. And mm -hmm. yeah, you can just think 911, 13s, and, and their variants. Right, right. And, um, when you think about chord scales, I, I like to emphasize um, the the major scale, harmonic minor scale, harmonic major scale, and the melodic minor. Mm -hmm. um, and you can really handle a lot of those those extensions, right? So you oh, have yeah. the lower four notes of the chords, which you can mm -hmm. split up into two different triads, right? Overlapping, mm -hmm. and then those those upper structure triads. Some of those choices can be helped by understanding some of those four scales and yeah. things, you know, um, and just well, what kind of, what is going to kind of work. And I haven't really put my finger on a, a good way to describe 
what I want to get across as far as um, how to teach scales necessarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've fought with that Have forever. You? Okay. Because there is the standard, here's the book. Yeah. Learn this until your eyes water. Mm -hmm. And then go to the next one. Yeah. There'll be a quiz. You know, yeah. it's a... <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I mean, there, the best thing I ever heard was my old teacher who made me think in terms of um, just, okay, one through seven, mm. you know, and in a major scale, here's the relationship yeah. between the one and the two, the two and the three, the three and the four. Here's, here's how much space you have between. Them. Yeah, yeah. And then you can start adding on that, which takes you right to the national number system like we talked about the other week. Yeah. It's really, really handy. Mm -hmm. um, but if you can understand that, you know, you're going a whole step, whole step, half step, whole step. And yeah. If you understand that relationship, I think it it makes it it makes all the chord structure the scale structure is very mobile. Right. You're not stuck saying, okay, well that's a C, so I need to start there or there or here or here. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, if you can, you know, then I want to go E flat. Yeah. Same interval. Spacing to me, that's what makes the most sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thinking relative to maybe okay. a root note or a relative scale to the root note or relative to the previous note. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, so is it a half step or a whole step? Yeah. Mostly scales fall into that, and then mm -hmm. they're augmented seconds on the harmonic major and right. harmonic minor. Yeah. So if you think, yeah, like I say, to me, if you if you just think in, in intervals. It becomes very simple because mm -hmm. yeah. you're not trying to memorize every single note and every single scale. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Get the intervals, then the notes will seem to me seem to fall into place. Yeah. As you play them, you're kind of going, "Oh, okay. Well, that's well, that's three. That's mm -hmm. an E and C. Oh, I just learned that the third of C is an E. Right. Because I went one, two, three. Yep. yep. And you go every other note, and you could you even you know just stack. Two octaves and thirds, you actually mm -hmm. end up with all the yeah. all the notes. All you know? of them. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. so yeah, to me, that makes most. But for you folks out there, tell us how does it work for you? Yeah. Um, what makes sense was for learning scales? Is there something you'd like to hear us explain? Yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. Um, so, I was talking to a student over the weekend um, who wants to try to put it all together. Okay. Um, and um, I, I was telling him a little bit of my experience with, um, with uh, Walter Namath. Mm -hmm. um, he was out of um, Baltimore area. And um, he, I, I took lessons from him. I, I think I mentioned him on the channel, but, um, but he, he played with the Buddy Rich Band. Um, for 10 years and um, used to actually warm the band up as a drummer, which I didn't wow. learn from him. I learned that from um, from Steve Novoselli. He yeah. told me about that. But um, but anyway, um, so he was saying that that when he was learning and trying to to you know get get to a, to a good level, professional level or whatever, um, that you know he was trying to think about this idea of like how do you put it all together, you know, mm. how do you get it all together? So um, 
It's a lot of different angles on things, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really hard to kind of put your finger on it. Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, could, well, I mean, you've got chordal, melodic, and rhythmic. Mm -hmm. Kind of the three parts yeah. of the song. Mm -hmm. um, fitting melodic to chordal, to me, especially for, as a solo player, that's the trickiest bit. Okay. The rhythm is actually the easiest mm -hmm. thing because you can sort of add that and change that later. Yeah. But to get that core of the song down. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so me being me, I tend to break things down like that. Okay. I'm like, here's okay, here's the chordal bit. Yeah. Here's the melodic bit. Yeah. How do they fit? Right. I wanna I wanna know how these two disparate things yeah. work together. Because once I have that in my head, going, oh, okay, the melody sits along, goes in a flat third, and you know, and I've got some interesting things, then it goes to a major third of the root, then I've got this over here, and it's too, then it makes sense to me. Yeah, and then us, us on guitar, you know, we could we could take um, we could take some of these notes and just kind of harmonize them, <laughs> right? Um, make a little motion under. Taking each of the the melodic notes, notes of the melody, yeah. and applying parts of the chords. Yeah, uh, just kind of under under it, under that sound. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and just trying to find one of the inversions that's gonna kind of fit it. So, mm -hmm. if if you have the the flat third on a G minor seven flat five, then I if I'm using this type of voicing, uh, then I'm maybe root position. Mm -hmm. um, so I would do something like that. And this, if I have the root on it, then I might use third inversion. Yeah. For that. Right, so that helps. Yeah. And, and so much of that depends on if you're working by yourself. Yeah. Or you've got a bass player or a piano player or, you know, if you got a bass player, then, you know, a lot of time we're going to eventually give you the root note. Right. Somewhere along the way. Somewhere in there. <laughs> so it's, it's inevitable. Uh, it, yeah. yeah. Sooner or later. Um, yeah. So that lets you play with second inversion, third inversion. Yeah. Uh, more top end extension things mm -hmm. because, you know, I got that. Yeah. I got, I'll have the root. So when you as a bass player are like kind of connecting that melody and, and harmony, do you, do you have a certain visualization on the instrument or not really? Or is just kind of like hearing the note orally from a singer or from an, uh, and just maybe trying yeah. to relate it back to the Yeah, because usually again, playing. I usually, if it's a standard, I have the melody going in my head. Yeah. And then I hear what the soloist or the singer Mm -hmm. is doing on it and that is going to inform my decision okay about yeah. where i go i really stuff like this where we're two fives you know mm -hmm. great that actually makes things a little easier so i can pay more attention to what's yeah going on but yeah if i hear them do something interesting i might follow along uh -huh. and start playing with inversions and reharmonizations and yeah and things to go in new and exciting places <laughs> yeah but great. as a basic structure i'm just going to look at it and say you know this is standard sight reading thing mm -hmm. what's the clef if i'm reading notes yeah make sure you're in the clef you read <laughs> yeah i've been handed like alto clef parts of god what, oh, yeah. what do i do with that um clef time signature yeah key signature then look at the map, 
Yeah. And say, okay, I've got this here, this here, this here, this here. We go back to here. We go over here. We're out. Yeah. Actually, the last thing I look at is chord structure. Okay. Yeah. And that just kind of yeah. falls into, um, mm -hmm. into places as maybe a go, or if you have some time to look at it, you might yeah. might investigate that. Yeah, I want to. I want to know where I'm going first. And yeah, then, and then how I'm getting there. Yeah, yeah. And the chords are definitely the how. The how you're getting. Yeah, exactly. You know, because missing a coda when you're playing with like a big band or something, really embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's where the highlighter comes out. Yeah. Right. If, yeah. If you're if you're um, given copies of things. Yeah. But, so so um, yeah. So that that's how I that is how I attack it. But it's, yeah. So much is informed by what the players around me are doing. Yeah. Yeah. We've both done big bands. We both played together and and big yeah. bands. Um, and um, I will say, <laughs> you will never ever find the sign, the signo, <laughs> you will never ever find that. No. It, you, you, will, you will see it when you first pick it up. Yeah. But, but you will it, never ever see it. It, it the, disappears. No, it's gone. Yeah, yeah, I know it's some kind of mystical ink that they write it with. It, but right. yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I have actually carried those little, little tiny post-its, the little strip post-its, yeah. you know, like bright orange, mm -hmm. and stuck those. Yeah. The pages. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, you get sometimes it's like, oh, okay, halfway through the first ending is the sign where it goes to the first coda. And then, yeah. Yeah, let's hope you don't get two signs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Had that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's a key change in the middle, of course, or something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah highlighters and post-its are your friends. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's um, talk a little, if you're interested, mm -hmm. which I know I'm always interested, um, I think you are too, about about gear, well, mm -hmm. maybe more towards uh, software. Mm -hmm. So we've both been checking out the Isotope. They just came out with this Ozone 11. Yeah. Um, I'll let everybody know that on the last duo recording, I did use their mastering. Uh, I demoed their um, mm -hmm. mastering on Ozone 11. And uh, I'm pretty blown away. Usually, I'm not like totally blown away, um, but but um, one feature in particular that really um, got me was the clarity. Yeah, yeah. It's just you know, there's there's the old cliche of you know, opening a curtain or, or cleaning mm -hmm. off a window. Yeah. In this case, it is absolutely true. Yeah, it's, it's really nice. It's surprising. This is this is a major step up. I think so too. Um, I don't know what is going on with it, but I mean the the word describes it well enough, and then you can you can go up or down and play with it. Yeah, yeah it's I think really good. they're taking advantage of the level of hardware that we have now. Like computers mm -hmm. are just yes. so ridiculously powerful. Yeah, they are. You know, my iPad has the same power as my MacBook Pro. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Who'd have thought, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, so they're just leveraging that power yep. to say, oh, cool, now we can do this. Mm -hmm. Now we can do that. And the interfaces, like you've got the UAD interface and RME. You just yeah. got the RME interface. These things have serious processing built into the interface. Yeah. It's not just a A to D, D to A converter anymore. It's That's right. They have processors in there. Yeah, so they're, they're companies like Ozone and or Isotope and some of these other companies um, completely escape me. Um, I know that uh, there's a 
developer I like who goes by DDMF, who makes brilliant plugins. Okay. He does the same thing. It's like he makes my favorite preamp plugin, which is a exact copy of a Neve okay. EQ preamp. Yeah. Insanely good. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, this guy's taking advantage of all this. And you look at, like, you know, you can get a Pultec EQ with the separate mid thing. Yeah, I've played it, around with the um, plugins uh, yeah. on the Poltec, and I'm really pretty. I'm impressed by those. Yeah, that is that is the sound of the '60s and '70s and '80s. I mean, there's everything had a Poltec on it. Yeah, everything. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, I've been running. I'm not doing it right now, but I I have been running from time to time a little EQ um, plugin through with the guitar mm -hmm. sound. Yeah, I just really like it. Yeah, it can give us real shine to things. Mm -hmm. You know, give a real polish to the to the sound. Yeah. Uh, I love a good EQ preamp. There's uh, another company called Red Rock Sound that does, again, ridiculous plugins, even for iOS, you know, iPad OS and okay. iOS. These things are cheap and they've gone through and basically cloned API and Trident and Eve okay. and some obscure Russian stuff. And these things are brilliant. Okay. You know, and it's really cool to be able to go through and go, okay, that's API, that's Trident, that's Neve, that's this, that's that and decide what flavor yeah. you want to hear. And it's really cool, I think, because for, for well, at least just to mention one reason, um, unless you work in some like really huge studio that has all that hardware, um, and then you have the time to just play around in there, which is probably pretty rare, I'm guessing. Yeah. Um, you know, how do you, how do you get to know these sounds and stuff like that? But yeah, it, it was software versions, it, you know, it may, may not be exact, but, but it's, it's really, it's closer than you were and getting closer and closer all the time. Too. Yeah. I mean the, the DDMF plugin I'm talking about, he, um, he actually, there's a trick on this Neve EQ, which is like $5,000 for this thing for one channel. Yeah. Totally wow. worth it. <laughs> um, but there's a trick where even when you bypass the EQ section, it's still running through the transformers. Okay. So you still, so it still sounds like Neve. Yeah. Even when it's technically out of signal. Yeah. He did the same thing on the plugin. Okay. I mean, there's some really cool. The level things. of detail there. Yeah. It's, it's just... Where it's really finely modeled. Okay. Uh, like Brainworks, I think you have some Brainworks plugins. I do. Where they've they've gotten really good at analyzing circuits and yep. modeling them. Yep. Yep. Um, I was just checking out the um, some of their Friedman um, oh, their um, amp models, amp models yeah. and uh, really cool. So so looking at that for some of my ensemble stuff, which you've helped me with as well, um, just to give those guys the sound or something close to to what a Marshall yeah. might might sound like. Um, so yeah, it's really, really pretty cool. There's, there's, and exciting. It's an amazing time out there. Yeah. It really is. But folks, check out the isotope. We're not on the payroll. We don't get anything no. from them. We wouldn't mind. But check out the isotope stuff. Because yeah. it is try the demo. Um, you can get some free stuff. If you look carefully, you can find some heavily discounted stuff on sale. Mm -hmm. Especially when a new version comes out. Yeah. They'll put the previous version on like a ninety percent off. <laughs> yeah. <sale. laughs> yeah, you get what they call loyalty offers, I think. Yeah. I hope that stays because they were bought by um native instruments. Native instruments. Right. Or I'm not sure who bought who on that one, or if it was kind of a fifty fifty split. Yeah, I don't know the details, I but I, I can see the branding now of yeah. the native instruments. And yeah, and hopefully that helps native 
some because native has been frustrating to me at times. Have they? Okay. Yeah, some of the IK stuff. It's like I really, really want to like it. Yeah. Uh, but the Isotope folks really have it down. Yeah, I use the um, Moto Base too, mm -hmm. which is I find really cool when, yeah. when you're not around. <laughs> 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 um, so that's kind of fun to play play with, but. Um, Another thing I use is uh, tune tracks. Have you ever mm -hmm. used that? Yeah, so that, they're kind of cool. I use their their drum stuff. Okay. And I'm using some of the um, uh, Universal Audio uh, keyboards. Uh, the UA stuff. stuff is gorgeous. Yeah. It, it really has that kind of Bill Pullman sound. It's the Bill Pullman founder of UA. Yeah. There's a sound. And his his sons or his kids are his, are. Still, still run, still running it, right? Still run the, the thing, That's yeah. Pretty cool. And they're they're very careful about their dad's legacy, mm -hmm. but they're also innovating like mad. Oh yeah, yeah. So I think that's really cool. So you get, yeah, you can say here's the UA sound, here's the API sound, yeah. You know, here's the Neve sound, kind of the big three, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you can buy all that in plugins or in hardware. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. So we were talking a little bit about uh, playing live mm -hmm. um, guitar, and you made some recommendations. I thought we might talk, talk a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. So um, high pass, high pass, pass filters, filter. just about the most useful thing you can have in your rig. Yeah. So out in front of before it hits the amp. Before it hits anything, the amps effects anything. Yeah. Um, I've seen guys put them at the end of the effects chain. If it sounds better that way, great. Right. But definitely before the amp, um, for guitarists, you know, you want a pretty sharp cutoff somewhere around between 60 and 70 hertz. Especially mm -hmm. if you're down tuning, maybe 50, 60 hertz. Right. What you're doing is eliminating all that unnecessary low frequency information. Yeah. Because there is a lot, even you know, for bass players, we're playing, and there's, you know, there's this low frequency extra. Yeah, stuff. There's noise. We don't. We try to mitigate it. We don't really know we're making it a lot of times. Yeah. Sort of in the heat of battle, you don't notice. Yeah. Um, but especially on guitar and bass, getting rid of that subsonic information you don't need opens up the sound right. drastically, and it lets the amp work better because it's not having to produce. All that low frequency stuff, which sucks the power. Yeah, you know, yeah. It takes a huge amount of power to make low notes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you're playing your guitar and you've got your picking style means that you've got a thump happening, like around 40 hertz. Mm -hmm. That's half the or approximately half the frequency of your low E. It's going to take twice as much the amp, twice as much power to reproduce that at the same volume as your E string. So it's pulling a lot of juice mm. yeah. away from where it should be. Um, but yeah, high pass filters, lots of companies make them and they're built into a lot of stuff. Mm. Use them, love them, they work. Yeah. And every upright bass player will tell you a high pass filter is absolutely necessary. Yeah. So um, I know there are EQ pedals. Mm -hmm. um, that could, you could probably get that to function as a yeah, high I'm, pass filter. Yeah, and um, um, you can, but the slope will generally not be. Right. It'll be too shallow. The slope is how fast yeah. it drops off. Go this way because everything's backwards. Um, so a standard EQ is usually about six decibels per octave. 
as you're yeah. turning it down. That's it's so it's cutting it roughly in half each time. Yeah. You want something that's like 36, 48 mm -hmm. dB. You want a pretty steep yeah, filter in there. To get rid of it. Just yeah, you you because 6 dB down is still really, really audible. 10 yeah. dB down is really audible. Your amp's still working hard. Yeah. If you yeah. don't need it, get it out of there. Get it out of there. And that yeah. goes for recordings too. Yeah, yeah. I know that when I do the um, um, uh, the EQ setting, I I, I definitely um, you know when I'm working on our um, recordings, I'll I'll do a high pass filter and I'll just I'll just push it till I basically till I hear it, mm -hmm. and then and then I just kind yeah, of back off. back it off just a little bit. That that's the trick. I mean, there are some fixed ones, especially for bass. Just a little, little tiny box, and they're mm -hmm. sort of fixed around 30 hertz. Okay. Great. Because you'd be amazed how much mud is down there. Yeah. It's yeah. this sort of subsonic and almost infrasonic mm -hmm. stuff, and your amp is gasping trying to reproduce it. Yeah. And it's, it's just drawing a lot of power off. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the, cool. that Neve plugin I was talking about from DDMF has a low pass and high pass filter yeah. that you can turn on and off, one at each end. And yeah, I generally set, because I play mostly six string, I set that to actually 35, which is a couple hertz higher than my low string. Yeah. Great. Okay. Cleans things right up. Cool, cool. Um, so another thing I thought we'd maybe discuss a little bit is uh, ergonomics. Mm -hmm. So I um, wasn't sure if I was going to mention this or not today, but um, I sent a, an email out to um, this guy uh, named Jay. I don't, I'm not sure his last name, but he's out in Italy, and he makes this um, this device called the Performax, and it it pulls your guitar up, and it just kind of clamps here. I would hmm. imagine it would work for bass too, um, but it just gives you a little like leg rest. So if you sit down, like well, like you're doing now, you have a strap, mm -hmm. um, and that's what I oftentimes do if I'm if I'm playing is I'll I'll have a strap on so that just so the guitar sits higher. Right. Um, but then you're kind of pulling your back a little bit. Yeah. So he's got this little little device that just kind of kind of clamps on and gives you a little bit of a leg rest. Oh, that's neat. So yeah, kind of cool. That's so. cool. If you do you know the guitarist Adrian Leg? Yeah. Yeah. The amazing guitarist adrian uh lives in london okay he is 80 something years old and rides his bike i mean the guy's amazing he's coming on tour okay. to the u.s again so i'm happy yeah. about that but he has this guitar that he built because he's an amazing luthier and it has this funny shaped pad that he made uh, that like holds sets the guitar on his leg oh okay and puts it looks like this little red velvet yeah foam thing yeah but he can just go and it puts it <laughs> right where he wants it nice um so that yeah same kind of thing i know you there and i've go. talked about like base design there's one i'm working on with a builder okay where and if you look at some of the better builders Droz, federa mm -hmm. um, some of these guys this half of the base the lower half of the base is wider than this half of the base mm. because it brings it up. Brings it up, nice. Yeah. Because you're thinking about where this is instead of trying to be symmetrical. Yeah. That doesn't yeah. work. You gotta, gotta, like, I really wish this had another two inches under it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, so I I did a video on this um, guitar stand. I don't know if I told you about it, mm. but, but it just holds the guitar up mm -hmm. like this. 
and that way you're totally hands free. And for okay. camera, it just keep, it just keeps your guitar, oh, you know, right in focus know, right and right there. Focus and right there. So okay. so you're you know you're not on camera doing like this and everything, um, but it really helps out with the, with the back and everything. Um, so yeah, ergonomics is really kind of a big deal, and mm -hmm. you know the the uh, shape of the guitar, you know, and violins mm -hmm. and basses, and they 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 have this shape, um, and um, it'd be interesting to look into the history of that too. It's yeah, it's really curious because if you look at like violons and uh, the old dagambas. Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. It is all roughly kind of the same shape. Yeah. Um, but they were meant to be kind of held between your knees. Mm -hmm. You kind of hold them here and play it like this. Yeah. And the shape has eventually has sort of become this. Um, there's a singer, songwriter, St. Vincent, mm -hmm. someone who I just think is amazing. Um, she went to Ernie Ball and, okay. and looked at him and said, guitars are not made for girls. Let's fix that. Okay. So there's a St. Vincent signature model, and it's this weird angular thing. Okay. Actually, it looks really cool for women because yeah. they have, there are certain physical things that have to be dealt with. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, Rick Toon, the, the great guitar designer and builder, he does the same thing, his ergonomic guitars. Okay. Excellent. Um, you look at him and go, how is that playable? Okay. And then you think about it and go, oh, Okay, it makes mm. perfect sense of what he's doing. Yeah. Um, so this this is a yeah. I think he even has his sign. It's called the ergonomic guitar. Okay. But yeah, I love the idea of this thing from this guy in Italy where you can yeah get it up. That that yeah. This is I've been playing for a very long time. So have you? Things start to hurt. You know? <laughs> they do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and um, you end up um, just. Kind of gradually acquiring injury, mm -hmm. essentially. And um, um, I, I talked to a doctor um, when I was, I don't know, I think late twenties or maybe early thirties or, so, or something like that. And uh, you know, I said, you know, I've got this pain, you know, in my back. And um, so I was describing different things about lifestyle and stuff, and. Um, he pretty definitively said it's it's guitar mm -hmm. <laughs> that is that is the source of your problems that, yeah it is my teacher always said that this is a wholly unnatural thing for us to do yeah this makes no sense and we're contorting our bodies mm -hmm. to do this yeah what's the choice um <laughs> yeah it's like upright bass players get the shoulder thing where the left shoulder if you're a right-handed yeah. player your left shoulder will be higher than your right shoulder mm -hmm. by a little bit but it's there because yeah. you're like this yeah, yeah, it's yeah. The ergonomics is so important. Um, one of the things I talk with students a lot. All of us, usually adult students, will come and they'll have the action way up. Okay, and they're like, my left hand gets tired. Yeah, and I see them playing like this. You see that this is a don't do that. Mm -hmm. And the action is really high. Yeah, and I'm like, it hurts, and I have no speed. You think? All right. right. Let's, <laughs> I try not to sound snarky. Right. But let's, you know, drop the action. Yeah. Got to do a good setup. Use good technique. Look at classical guitar technique. Yeah. Look at flamenco technique. Yep. Um, do you ever see the Bobri book about the Segovia technique? I think it's actually called the Segovia. No. no I seen old, it. old book. And this guy, Bobri, okay. who was a famous classical guitarist in Italy or something, anyway, wrote this great book. And it's pictures. Okay. Um, that show exactly how yeah. 
Segovia worked this stuff out. Okay. Highly influential for bass players. Nice. A lot of us have seen this book and gone, Okay. that's how you fix it. And it is doing the, you know, the relaxed thing, the drop hand, the curved fingers. That's really interesting. The thing that you teach classical students. Yeah. You know, it's it's this light, yeah. curved thing. Fingers, yeah. It translates to all these horizontal instruments. Yeah, you know, I, um, I take folks through the uh, Christopher Parkening mm-hmm. uh, method books. Christopher Parkening was a student of Segovia. Right. Um, and they have these really great, pictures in there. Isn't that nice? Yeah. And I'm on there drawing little triangles and little angles and stuff like this is how, you know, ideally you, you can you can do it. And um, it's interesting that you mentioned bass too, because when I when I um, was first learning the upright, you know, I kind of got hip to this idea. You got to, yeah, make the circle. Yeah. Thumb and, thumb and second finger. Yep. Yeah. And uh, when I show folks that that picture from the Christopher Parkening, but you you can really see that uh, the fingers all you know imagine there's a neck mm-hmm. here, uh, you know they all kind of angle back, mm-hmm. you know so- somewhere somewhere back here there's like a point. Right. right? Ruff- yeah. Roughly lines up with your elbow or your wrist. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's kind of mm-hmm. where it's going to land. Yeah. So if you get your your second finger kind of lined up with a thumb, mm-hmm. um, and on on bass we kind of do that that sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, with uh, with these two middle fingers uh, on upright. But um, but yeah, it's like if you can kind of get the the finger the thumb opposite the second finger or roughly in there, mm-hmm. you know, it's a really um, great way to keep your hand healthy because. There's the hand health, there's the back health, mm. shoulders, there's a lot going on. Yeah, I mean, you, you get weird shoulder issues. And actually, this is actually a really good time to show. This is the great secret I'd show students about how to hold your base. Okay. Because everybody's like, they sit down like this, right? And everything's mm-hmm. very square. Yeah. And they're like, it, this this hurts here. This is uncomfortable here. Why do? And I'm like, all right, no. <laughs> sit with your legs close to 90 degrees as you can. Take your fretting hand, lay it on your knee, line up your thumb with your second finger, just wherever your arm lands and is comfortable. Yeah. Put the neck over it and lift. Mm. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Nice. Now just remember to do that for the rest of your life. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But that'll get you there. And it's that. Yeah. It's that thing. Because it's, I know that if I sit the instrument here, just lands yeah you know and I've got yeah and I love how your elbow is positioned that's one thing I talked to folks back about it's just like don't don't invest too much energy in putting the elbow out here yeah this this and just let it let it how do you how do, I don't like know gravity guys take your elbow you know I see some guys with the neck of their elbow going way out and eventually they're gonna be on coming from the other side yeah. of the fingerboard <laughs> no yeah it's got to be this needs to be relaxed yeah because yep, right we talked about this before, as soon as the tension creeps in and your shoulder starts going up, yeah, on either side, mm-hmm. you're done. Yeah, yeah, pain will soon follow. Yeah, yeah. So, good practice, um, good posture. Uh, so one thing I, I tell folks is change change from the right leg to the left leg. Mm-hmm. You know, do be able to play both ways, like the classical. Um, style especially finger style it just makes sense to have the the strings angled that way because yeah. the hand 
doesn't have to do too much of an extreme here. Um, you know, so yeah, you as soon as like you start that. twisting, yeah, you get that weird tension up yeah. through here and you really can't. It's funny, this is something I've started, I told Jim I was started to work on doing this. Yeah. You know, this, this three and four finger. Yeah, that's cool. But I realized, and this is why I see players do it, to really do it, it's got to be over here. Mm. So I need to set up another strap or something. So I. Yeah. Nice. This like makes that. sense here. Yeah. So that's next. Yeah. And spatially, that can be a little bit to get used to. Yeah. Because um, all of a sudden things are. Yeah. Here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's why I would I would try you know do both positions and and all that and on on the classical uh, I think because the the body is a little wider um, and and it's a lighter instrument um, there are some that have suction cups mm -hmm. that just sit under it and there's one I've seen that has a so almost like a cushion yeah. just a pad just a pad just get it up yeah I mean yeah. this is why. Uh, like the Strandberg guitars and some of Rick Toon's designs and some of these yeah. make sense, these funny cutouts that you see. Yeah. And then when you take it, you put it on one leg and you go, okay, that's really cool, that feels good. And then you put it on the other leg and you can let go because mm -hmm. it just stays there. Yeah. That's genius to me. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> really worked it out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, yeah. we'll mention uh, John's mm -hmm. Cables again. Um, I do the um, online lessons, stuff like that. So um, mm -hmm. you do you do guitar and bass and ukulele and yeah, yeah. If it's got strings, if it's got strings and they can be plucked, then, then you, there you go. I'm going for it. <laughs> <laughs> I took a banjo not too long ago. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, it does bring a smile to your face though when you play it. It, but it does. Family members are not happy with it. No, I think yeah, learning banjo is like learning bassoon. You should never do it around other people. Yeah. You, know, you need to show, sort of show up fully formed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, Earl Scruggs, wait till that. Yeah. No, that's never going to happen. But, uh, uh, <laughs> but oh, Banjo players listen to uh, the great Al Caldwell. Mm -hmm. Do you know Al? No. Amazing. He's Vanessa Williams' bass player. Got okay. a monster bassist okay. and an incredible banjo player. Yeah. And he actually does like these, he calls them hillbilly albums. Yeah. But then he goes out and plays with Vanessa Williams and he's playing like, you know, 11 string bass with MIDI on top and like the guy's That's crazy. Deals. That's cool. Um, yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah Bela Fleck. I've seen him a few times mm -hmm. live and of course I've heard him. Yeah, that's... Uh, uh, recordings. Pretty incredible. Yeah, he's just... <laughs> <laughs> and Steve Martin. Yeah, Steve Martin. Yeah, is now plays a lot with the Steep Canyon Rangers. He's he's really really good. <laughs> you don't expect it, but yeah, yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> so yes, it it's it's fun, but still, uh, <laughs> it's a joke. I take it outside sometimes. Oh, no, there you go. You yeah, take the neighbors. Torture the neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks so much, John, and uh, I'll see you all in the next one. See you next time.